Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. A lot happening today, and I am honored and thrilled that we are going to talk right now. Let's just go right to it, because City Hall has passed a new budget delivering on some promises, and we want to know more details. Joining us is Alderwoman Maria Haddon. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's nice to be here, Patty. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Look, there's a lot going on at City Hall. We don't have to get into any of the background or drama that's happening. Uh, That might be for another time. Let's get to the nuts and bolts of what what were your thoughts going into today? And I know the weeks leading up to this negotiations and trying to whip votes. Uh, Where did we land today on our budget? Um, Today, uh, fantastic. Uh, Passed the 2024 budget. This was Mayor Johnson's uh, first budget in office, right? Uh, First budget for a brand new council. And um, uh, it it passed with flying colors and 41 votes. Um, So that's, you know, we've got a nice balanced budget going into 2024. No property tax increases. We're able to maintain investments in a lot of the social service programs that are uh, you know, desperately need it right now, like our uh, services for uh, people experiencing homelessness. There's going to be two new mental health clinics that will be reopened in 2024. And um, I'm most excited about a Department of Environment. Oh, tell us about, well, I know with the with the mental health services, part of that budget also includes uh, making sure that when there are calls to 911, it's also a, a, a cooperation, a collaboration between law enforcement and those med- mental health providers. Is that correct? There is. There's an expansion of that co-responder model um, that uh, my ward, our district, uh, we're in the 24th district, was just kind of included in in the summer. Um, so, yeah, just a, a lot of investment in the things that we know we need that advocates have been working for and that have been, you know, kind of proven progressive solutions. We're really excited to see uh, this mayor and this council uh, get behind it. It was um, I attended virtually. I'm out with COVID. Um, oh, I'm sorry. But it was great. Yeah, it's great to see so many uh, people across the spectrum, not just Progressive Caucus members, um, talking about the need for civilianization of the police force, for investment in mental health care. Um, uh, Those are some other things that you saw in the budget, right? More civilian positions um, so that uh, we could, you know, right-size the way policing is done, free up resources for our sworn officers. Um, it's also, um, I'd say, exciting to see new investments and in growth for returning citizens. Um, so for uh, folks, you know, returning uh, reentry services in our community. Um, and, of course, there was some funding also for a commission on reparations. Outstanding. I know that uh, we work uh, quite a bit. We collaborate with uh, Todd Belcour, the executive director of Social Change, and, and he's mm-hmm. ex- taught me a lot about the, the lobbying and legislation that he's worked on in that regards. Uh, and I, I see that the uh, there's an ordinance that would also divert 2% of the police department's uh, budget to help programs led by young people in neighborhoods that have a lot of violence and disenfranchisement. That sounds, I mean, these are the kinds of programs we've been talking about for years and sometimes there's been money allocated what what you know when when it comes to a budget like this right and and you kind of go okay we got past this part what kind of mechanisms are in, in place to ensure that these plans go as closely as possible to what it's intended 
Um, you know, that those those mechanisms are an active government and city council, right? Because you're right, we can put a lot of plans on paper and we can pass them in a budget, but someone's got to do the work and implementation. Um, I think what we've got going for us is one, um, some fantastic leadership um, uh, in the fifth floor, but not just in the fifth floor. Uh, Mayor Johnson talks about this all the time, and it's something that, you know, coming into council myself in 2019, um, a lot of my colleagues uh, from that class as well, we're looking for this expanded leadership, and we talk a lot about co-governance. So we've got some great leadership in our departments, um, but if we look at our committees here in city council, um, you may have noticed we are meeting a lot more <laughs> frequently. <laughs> I listen quite than, a bit, um, yes. <laughs> You know, than, uh, than we used to. And so, you know, with our leaders in education uh, committee, right, uh, Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor, Alderwoman Jesse Fuentes um, in workforce in the subcommittee, Alderman Mike Rodriguez for workforce overall, Alderman Rodriguez Sanchez for Health and Human Relations. We've got folks um, that have been championing these issues for a long time. And so it's not just enough to win them, right, in the budget or legislatively. Now we're also here, we're still here, right, in place to make sure that the implementation of this programs happen with the communities who've been advocating for them. And I want to come back to the uh, element that you uh, mentioned you're excited about. So tell us about, is this the Department of Environment and Innovation and Technology? Is that the one? The, no, 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 oh, no. Another one. No, no. <laughs> so there's um, uh, what you're speaking about. So um, you're speaking about the Department of Innovation and Technology being separated out from fleet and facilities management again. Oh. So um, under under Mayor Lightfoot, um, uh, I forget which year, she combined these two different departments into one, and we called it Assets and Information Systems. And so under this budget, uh, council and the mayor have split those departments out again, um, which I'll say the combination of the departments was, uh, you know, met with kind of a lukewarm reception under Lightfoot, and people are pretty excited to see those split out again. Um, so those might look like new departments, but they're really just kind of the return mm-hmm. um, and the separation of uh, departments that were combined. The Department of Environment um, has been a long time coming, right? So we haven't had one for uh, more than a decade, and we're facing so many climate and climate justice and environmental issues as a city. Um, this has been something that myself, uh, Alderman Martin and Laspada, several others have really been championing and working with our community partners from across the city um, for several years. So it's exciting to uh, have a department going into 2024. I'm going to say that the article that was written needed a comma there because it should be the Departments of, of Environment, comma, and Innovation and Technology. <laughs> I need my Oxford comma, everybody. I'm just going to say that right now because I, I read things the way they're written. Uh, so tell us, because, you know, a lot of people are committed to doing something to improve our environment, to reduce the mm-hmm. amount of garbage on our street. You know, people want to recycle. They, they're they picking up uh, all kinds of refuse and things like that. What, what will this do? Because, you know, sometimes we hear, oh, like, I love, I, lo- I don't think enough people know about the composting in the city right now. Yeah, yeah. They- and like, yes, this new, the new pilot for the composting, yes. Yeah. Um, so what we're what we're really looking to the Department of Environment to do um, is to set our systems and processes and help guide the work for how we're creating a Chicago from top to bottom that is sustainable, that is um, 
you know, proactive. Um, so this is everything from um, we had more sinkholes this year because we didn't have a cold enough winter last year. So it's everything from infrastructure, right? Um, in my in my ward uh, this week, I have an alley collapse oh. um, near the shoreline, and and it's because of shoreline erosion. It's the different activity underneath the surface, right? Um, oh, it's not. We're not getting as cold of winters. We're not developing frost lines. It, our infrastructure needs. And the engineering around that are changing because of our changing climate. Um, it's the cumulative impact assessment that um, the like now Office of Environment and Equity, what will become our Department of Environment and our uh, City Department of Public Health have been working on for the past couple of months that are going to be working with City Council to look at from our zoning to uh, laws to our building code um, how are we making sure that we're not bringing in polluting industries anymore in Chicago? And how are we making sure we're setting up those green industries? And that, that gets to our zoning, right? Of what are we, what do we allow? What are the uses? Um, it's also looking at enforcement of our air quality laws, right? Our water quality laws. Um, uh, there's a, there's a lot. It runs the gamut, right? When we talk about environmental issues. And then, of course, it looks at things like our renewable energy, right? Um, the infrastructure, like, are we putting in enough uh, e-chargers? We know we're not, right? Um, so there's a there's a huge scope of work, um, but this is a first step in the right direction um, for the city of Chicago to really make sure that um, we're the most environmentally sustainable, livable city in the country. I'm excited about that, too. That's fantastic news. And I will tell you, on my way home from downtown, I work uh, in the city of Illinois building. I ran into two older people, one who voted for and one who voted against. And one of the things is so weird to be on a tra- I feel like I've talked to more older people today than I have in years. In one, in one <laughs> but one person told me, and they had voted for the budget, but they were concerned about the fact that we, uh, you know, we, the services and what we're providing and trying to help migrants as they arrive here and keep them sheltered and clothed and fed. We're spending about $40 million a, a month, and right now it's only 150. million. My understanding was going to be $300 million. Um, so I, I know that Springfield said they would not come back to this till the spring. Do we have any um, hope or expectation that federally we'll be getting some assistance? Because this could be going up to, this could be a billion dollars by the time we're all, all done with this. Or close, not done. I don't, we, yeah. we, we absolutely, you're absolutely right. We need federal movement on this, um, both at the border, right? Yes. And when it comes to funding for cities like ours that are absorbing, right, all the asylum seekers that we're, we're letting in, right? Because um, just to be clear, like, we're, we're letting people in. They're, they are filing paperwork, right? They are seeking asylum. Um, and um, it's great to see the movement um, that the Biden administration's made on the um, workforce authorization, right? Ex- expedited uh, paperwork and processing for for some people, um, but it's not enough, and the funding is killing us. Um, I wasn't in council today, and so you'll have to pardon me for not knowing the figures, but it's my understanding. I believe um, the mayor announced um, additional commitments um, from the state, uh, maybe in his after. Uh, council pressers. So right. I know the state continues to be a partner in this. I think the state and the county um, are trying to work on some additional things. But he did also um, announce uh, some new kind of process limitations as well. 
that we're supposed to get more details on later this week. Um, some so some you know limitations of how many days right um, uh, the asylum seekers can um, stay in shelter. So the city of Chicago is having to move to put some limitations around our services because it's otherwise really difficult to predict how much this is going to cost us. Well, I appreciate your insight on this, and we look forward to hearing more about that as we go forward and we go into the cold weather. I hope that you feel better. Uh, we'd love to touch base Thank with you. you again. Thank you so much for your time and for your service, and, uh, and I wish you Thank the you. very best. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. You as well. Get some sleep, and you can binge watch uh, Dark Wind. We're big fans. Take a, take a break here. We'll come back in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. We're going to catch up with Dan Schaefer, the mastermind behind the recombobulation area. you got to read his stuff. Follow him on Twitter right now. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. I am making a promise publicly that I will be less cheesy about Wisconsin this week. <laughs> that was terrible. That was really, really terrible. <laughs> Dan Schaefer joins us, the publisher, the writer of the Recombobulation Area to talk all things Wisconsin. How are you doing today, my friend? You got a new coach, I see, for the Brewers. Yeah, that's right. We got a new coach. Uh, so do you. So that's fun. Because <laughs> we took yours. It seems, it seems that um, money money talks and he walked, I guess is how it goes, right? Uh, we, need, we need to have some sort of trade. Can Chicago send us anything in well, this deal? You uh, know, we sent to your manager. We get like, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there's nothing, uh, yeah, nothing on the plate. Jordan statue or something like that. That's pretty cool. Uh, we got so, I, I could find <laughs> a pair of gym shoes or something somewhere. Uh, yeah, we, oh, we don't. Well. Currently, we're our our cupboards are a little barren as well, as you can tell. We're not football uh, about now. Uh, base no, we're we're uh, yeah. <laughs> That's why we took your coach, my friend. We looked everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, oh, all right. There's so many moving parts, and one of the things I, I just saw you uh, post about as well is that Wisconsin ranks number one for job for job growth in October. Is that right? Is that the chart? Yeah, Milwaukee was number one, number one city for job growth in October. How about that? That's amazing. And yet you have a, a campus just north of you that is not getting as much investment as it used to, but you have businesses that want to hire engineers from Wisconsin, but the Republican legislature won't move on it. What is wrong with them? They really don't like businesses, do they, or workers, or yeah. any of it? Progress. I yeah, guess. it's it's absolutely baffling. Nobody really knows why this. I think people within the Republican caucus are really baffled as to why uh, there is so much opposition to this. You know, the UW Madison is one of the you know kind of leading uh, engineering schools in the Midwest, and they want a new engineering building. We have a lot of employers in the state, you know, that could use uh, engineers, and so. Uh, there was, I think, a list of like 400 different businesses that signed a signed a letter encouraging the legislature to to go forward uh, with uh, with funding this uh, funding this new building, which already has something to the tune of 150 million dollars in philanthropic dollars uh, put toward it. So it's already halfway there. It just needs the, the the legislature to to do its job and get it the rest of the way. But thus far, they, they have not been doing that, and, and they've been kind of holding the whole situation hostage. They yeah. held every, uh, you know, pay raise for everybody in the UW system hostage, and it's all over the Assembly Speaker Robin Voss's opposition to any kind of diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI efforts happening at the university level. Mind you, Wisconsin 
often ranks at the very bottom uh, when it comes to measures of uh, racial um, uh, equality. So <laughs> to hold things up over that is, is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, no. I, well, I mean, there's so much that Robin Voss does, and the many Republicans in Wisconsin that's ridiculous. And I saw that his, I, you know, I saw that his polling numbers were 16. percent It's fine. I mean, like that, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the whole state hates him. All he needs to do is be re- reelected by his district, and then the Republicans can keep him in in uh, leadership, right? I mean, like we've had. I think. Yeah. The, I think the he con- can put him, he can drain himself into a you know a, a Republican plus 20 type yeah. of district and make it really, really difficult for any kind of challenger to unseat him. And yeah, I wrote about those uh, Marquette poll results last week. And, and, you know, I had one of the things that they do is they always look at the favorability numbers and kind of net favorability of a variety of different national politicians, state politicians as well. Uh, Democratic Governor Tony Evers uh, was by far the most well-liked uh, politician in the state of Wisconsin. He was uh, well over 50 percent approval rating. Uh, and his net favorability rating was plus eight. Uh, a lot of those net favorability ratings in Wisconsin are in the negative. So pretty much every national politician, uh, you know, Ron Johnson, uh, you know, every Republican challenger in the primary had a negative net favorability rating. So it was interesting that Evers was the only one uh, on that list. But Voss had maybe one of one of the worst uh, <laughs> polling numbers I've ever seen. I've, I've written dozens of breakdowns of the Marquette University Law School poll uh, going back to when I started the recombobulation area. It's, it's been just kind of one of those staple things that I do the whole time. There's nothing that compares to Robin Voss's polling numbers. Yeah, I mean, he's at 16 percent in the state, only 10 percent among women. Uh, and he is a net negative wow. with every age group, every demographic across the board. And it is every region of the state, I think, even, too. Uh, so it is just ridiculous to, you know, th- this is a guy who is by far the most powerful Republican uh, in the state legislature, and he is just not at all well-liked by the state of Wisconsin. He's the longest-serving assembly speaker in the state of Wisconsin's history, and he is, uh, and he has never been more disliked. <laughs> Well, I mean, well, does that also lend itself as to why there isn't a challenger? I mean, Republicans like him uh, who are disliked and just have power because of the way the state is mapped or, you know, whatever the circumstances that you still do not have a GOP challenger to run against Tammy Baldwin, which is fine, but it's weird. Pretty baffling. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think every other swing state election has. You know, challengers to the incumbents that are that are going to be on the ballot are already campaigning. Wisconsin, not the case. Uh, but it, it's kind of it, it, there's a couple of Republicans who are more or less running shadow campaigns and haven't quite officially announced just yet. Uh, but Eric Hovde, I think, among those, uh, you know, he's a he's a wealthy Madison business owner. Uh, he ran for Senate. Over a decade ago uh, and lost in the GOP primary when Tammy Baldwin uh, first won uh, her election in 2012. Uh, He lost in that primary, but has kind of been on the edges of Wisconsin politics for a little while. But then he was also doing a whole lot of work in California. And so I don't know if if the Wisconsin Republicans have learned from, you know, Tim Michaels last year being a wealthy coastal business owner who's kind of returning to the state uh, to run for statewide office. But, uh, yeah, I I don't think he's going to pose 
too significant a challenge to to Tammy Baldwin, but it is Wisconsin, and Wisconsin <laughs> always has razors in elections, so you never know. Well, it, it, yes, and I was just again we were talking yesterday about how baffling it is that you have such a stronghold in the General Assembly that's just so red, but you have such a long history of labor history of progressive ideas, um, and ju- it's just the machinations of what the Republicans have done for decades that have led us to this. And, and I, I guess that kind of all feeds into it. Uh, what are you hearing as far as you know people getting organized for the 2024 presidential election? Because you guys are going to be critical in that race. Yeah, people are we're one year out now, yeah. you know, so it's uh, I think a lot of people started some of those efforts from from being one year out. Um, you know, I know the Wisconsin Democrats uh, with Ben Wickler did kind of a statewide canvas kickoff uh, a couple of weeks ago while, when we were kind of in that moment of being one year out. And I think, you know, it's interesting that not only is this going to be, you know, perhaps the tipping point state for the presidential election, perhaps the tipping point state for control of the Senate. Uh, but I think they are also looking up and down the ballot at, at what can be done in some of these state legislative races, the state senates, the assembly. Uh, you know, that was another thing that we saw in the Marquette University Law School poll, the, the Wisconsin state legislature, which has been under total co- Republican control uh, for with their gerrymandered majorities for more than a decade now, has a approval rating of about 40 percent. And that's pretty low. Evers is close to 60 percent. So there's obviously a lot more Wisconsinites who favor the work of the governor than, the, than that of the legislature. Right. And I think it's going to be really important. We don't know exactly what the maps in Wisconsin are going to look like, but I think it's going to be really important for Democrats to challenge every last seat uh, yes. in the Wisconsin state legislature because it. I, in, this is, you know, uh, this is something I've said over and over again, but I think it's Democracy starts from the bottom up. It starts from the bottom of the ticket all the way up. Yep. And the more you can invest in some of those small local races, the more you can get people on the ballot, get people challenging, uh, you know, unpopular politicians like Robin Voss. That's going to that's going to make an impact at the top of the ticket, too. So we might have some, you know, competitive congressional races, congressional uh, competitive Senate races. But it all starts at that local level. And I know there are a lot of people uh, in the state right now who are upset about politics. And I think now is the time to maybe think about taking a run, get on the ballot, yes. make a change. So there's a lot, lot of opportunity in front of us as well. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dan. Everyone follow Dan Schaefer, S-H-A-F-E-R on Twitter and sign up for his for his publication, The Recombobulation Area, by following that link right there under his bio. Have a great night. I hope to talk to you next week if your schedule allows, Dan. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Have a great night. Thank you. Thank you. Hey there, it's your guy, Warren Price, from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technocraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200. That's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. friend marty he wants to split the party he wants blue folks and red states to vote green i can see his point though i really gotta say no we can't have another 2016 it seems nothing beats orange nothing even freaking rhymes with it what's a battered nation supposed to do his royal orange highness he does love to divide us we gotta stick together and vote blue when I recycle, I'm green, green as green can be. I do my level best, yes, it's true. But 
when I'm voting in November, I promise to remember it's us against him. Gotta vote blue. We do gotta vote blue, and joining me in, in studio is Representative Stephanie Kifowit. I uh, I'm so glad that you're here today, uh, and we can bring your your guest on with us in a minute if you'd like. You don't. You, no. <laughs> what? I don't know what I have to say. Yeah, we could talk labor too. I, your microphone had to be all the way over here, though. Oh. Yeah, you got Yeah, unless you want to share it with her, but I can give you your own microphone, uh, and you can introduce yourself. And if you want to, we don't have to. Just uh, I, I did not know that you'd be in studio with us, um, Representative Kifowit. Let folks know what districts you uh, represent. Uh, I represent the 84th district, just one district, 84th I mean, district. Yes. And I, uh, I represent Aurora, Naperville, a bit of Oswego, and a bit of Montgomery. Excellent. And I know that you worked on a resolution to, uh, to acknowledge and pay respect to veterans of the Cold War. I have uh, a listener who is uh, really interested in that. Actually, a year ago, sent me articles uh, about the Cold War veterans. I don't think people really think much about uh, those who served during our tensions with uh, with Russia. No, it, it's, it's been a, a long journey for the Cold War veterans. In fact, uh, the American Legion just changed their membership parameters to include them. Before they just had certain dates with regards to wars, and there was many, many veterans that served during the Cold War that were excluded from the American Legion. So now they just opened it up to all veterans who's pretty much served from World War II on to encompass them. And and in the Illinois State House, uh, filed a resolution, and um, we'll be voting on it when we get back in January uh, to honor our Cold War veterans. And for people that don't know, the Cold War was the rivalry between the United States and the Soviet Union. Right. So it was a very, very tumultuous time in our history that a lot of people don't understand. Well, that's what's so, again, I go back to, like, how how do Republicans sort of stake out the territory of patriotism and then lean into, well, Russia should be able to invade uh, Ukraine and decimate an entire country because it used to be Russia's. You're like, when did you care so much about the sort of uh, ownership of land or the history of land? I mean, like, that would be like saying Mexico deserves Texas, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, California, Colorado, <laughs> just to name a few places. But, but that's ridiculous. Right. But the idea uh, of uh, supporting Russia still blows my mind. No, it's it's just so wrong. In fact, at that conference that we were talking about that was at last week, um, we had a, a a mayor of a town in Ukraine zoom in. It was 2 a.m. his time, and he was talking about how um, Russia is bombing the gas lines and everything, and that solar is saving their hospitals and saving Really? Their, because they can replace a solar panel in a day. They can't replace a gas pipe in a day. And so they're they're building a lot of solar in that uh, town so that they can uh, operate their hospitals and, and uh, operate their, their grid. And, um, and he was profoundly thankful to the United States for holding up for their democracy and, and helping them in their uh, quest to remain a democracy and not be taken over by Russia. That, that's incredible. And, and that's the thing is that there seems to be so much uh, resistance to climate-friendly things that can advance our technology, our protecting what we need to, you know, enable to function, to be able to function, or, you know, to improve air quality, water quality, which includes solar, electrical power. Right. But we also need to keep in mind that it also impacts our national security. Yeah. We are dependent on foreign oil of countries that aren't quite so nice and friendly. I had a listener calling yesterday to say uh, that um, they are going to vote for Trump uh, because one of the reasons was that he we were we were energy independent under Trump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I was just like, here, let me. Uh, what, which web's, what website was he looking at? I, you know, well, I mean, was, if it's uh, on the internet, it must be true, well, right? That, so, and, yeah. and that was a whole long list, uh, which also included Hunter Biden's oh, laptop. Goodness, goodness gracious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and no. Tara Reid. Oh, goodness. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot. It was oh, a lot. There's of, a lot to unpack there. there was a lot. Oh. Who, by the way, I asked him, do you know where she lives now? She moved to Russia. <laughs> Yeah. Hi. Hello. Uh, introduce yourself, my friend. Uh, um, Joseph Reinhardt, business manager, secretary, treasurer of Painters District Council 14. And he has joined us for our labor panels in the past. So thanks uh, for hanging out with us today. Oh, my pleasure. We've been talking a lot of labor, too. Uh, we, folks have been asking me because I wore my SAG-AFTRA strike. Uh, I'm a strike captain for SAG-AFTRA. And folks were like, oh, I, I thought you guys resolved that. Why are you wearing your strike hat? Well, first of all, I like to wear baseball hats. Secondly, just because the board has... Um, has uh, uh, basically told us that they recommend approving the contract. It's 86%, which is not, you know, it's, it's a big number, but it's not quite there. And there's a lot of questions about that. However, it has been significant this year how many gains there have been in labor. I mean, from UPS to the UAW, Starbucks had a, a big Red Cup walkout on Thursday. Uh, I was impressed at O'Hare Airport. There weren't usually you see a lot of um, people in line at Starbucks, much shorter lines at O'Hare on Thursday when I was there. Um, how, are you, how are the painters feeling? Is it, it's all good stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's real good. It, uh, it's going to help us come uh, in April when we start negotiating. So. Yeah. They better get ready yeah. <laughs> because, because the table's already been set and we know where uh, we want to go. Yeah, because when I when I ran uh, the painters union, if I recall correctly, was the only labor union that uh, because we split uh, between the three candidates because uh, one was the incumbent, which is tough. One was a carpenter and a police officer. And I'm SAG-AFTRA and uh, and I've been a SAG-AFTRA member for 23 years. And I think before this year, we were kind of considered a soft union and uh, we had the full support of uh, of Bob Ryder and the CFL. Yes. And that was, we had Scabby out there. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and that was, it's impactful. It really is. What are you hearing from, from, uh, from labor this year, Representative Kifowit? Because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, we've gained so much ground since we got rid of Rauner, haven't we? <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> that was, that was the worst. Uh, that's an understatement, but okay, we'll go there. The worst, but, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was the, I think he was, yeah, the, the, um, the most horrible governor we've ever had, to yeah. be quite honest. Even the ones that went to jail. He I was mean, worse than those I mean, guys. Who, who cuts funding for autism on World Autism Day? I mean, come on. Thank yeah, you for remembering. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I remember that every day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That's how I, that's how so, I brought so Patty to Springfield. Yeah, I know. Well, so the rep, I will tell you this. I went down. Um, okay. So on, on that Good Friday, when Governor Rauner made $26.2 million in cuts to services across the state, including pretty much decimating the autism program of Illinois, TAP, um, I was on a train by Tuesday. And everyone was like, all the Democrats were like, oh, no, that, was real, that is really terrible. And the, uh, Representative Kiffa was, was the first one was like, how are we going to pay for it? I mean, and, and, you know, do you remember the way he ended up re reinstating the funding was basically shaking the couch and going, oh, yeah, you know what? We ended up having more revenue from our income, you know, the income tax uh, from last month. It was insane. Yeah. It, but it was mostly it was intended to break the unions. That was his entire mm -hmm. thing was a turnaround agenda. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. Rauner was not a friend of one person in labor at all. No. At all. Plus, I don't know if he had a friend at all yeah. in the state. He moved to Florida, so that well, tells you not about far enough. <laughs> he can go to Russia. Well he, well, he and Ken Griffin, you know, did everything they could. Ken Griffin, of course, killed the fair tax, which I think will continue to be a problem in Illinois. Well, I mean, I think that Illinois rebounded, and and when you uh, 
you look at the budget as a whole, we just got our ninth credit upgrade, Patty. Ninth. Hey, you don't have to tell me. I work on the comptroller's office. I know you do. Yeah, I know you do. But nine, number nine. I mean, never, never in, in anybody's wildest dream, decades. It's been decades since the state of Illinois has been financially sound. That has, and as you know, working in the comptroller's office, mm-hmm. our rainy day fund is now over two billion dollars. Yes. So, uh, rainy day fund now can hold us up for what? Fifteen days. <laughs> it's better than it was when we en- entered the pandemic. Seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, that's what. Yeah. Yeah. It was like seconds. So now, now we have a little bit of cushion there, and we're working really hard, balanced budgets all the time, and um, you know, really, really being, believe it or not, Democrats are being fiscally responsible in the state of Illinois. Fiscally responsible Democrats. Ronner was a Republican, was not fiscally responsible. So, JB Pritzker, working with the General Assembly, we've done a great job turning the the Illinois around. Yeah, I, I think that that's uh, in considering not just coming out of the rounder years, but also a pandemic, I think is significant. And people kept saying, oh, well, when that federal, you know, the, the, the federal funding from the pandemic runs out. And yet we as you mentioned, we still continue to have uh, credit approval upgrades. Well, a lot of that has to do with with having a federal government that, you know, up until recently was functional. We had the um, Inflation Reduction Act. The CHIPS Act. We've had a lot of lot of good policy in the past that the state of Illinois has been able to capture. In fact, the governor's on record as just recently saying we are going to get every single federal dollar we can for the state of Illinois. And that's what we should have a governor doing, working with the federal government and bringing in these federal dollars to the state. There's nothing wrong with that. Other states are going to get it if we don't. So we should grab it, get it, use it. And right. It's showing. Absolutely. Another thing that's showing with the state of Illinois is the uh, 40 Five billion dollar um, capital investment, capital investments that we're making in our roads and bridges and our infrastructure with our transportation, because we are the hub of the Midwest. So the more that we improve those things, right, the more businesses are going to come. And we've been hearing businesses, believe it or not, Patty, are coming into Illinois. They're coming into Illinois. They're opening up in Illinois, and uh, it's really exciting. I, I love when, you know, especially when I started sitting in the, in the press box and you'd hear people saying, you know, people are leaving our state to go go to Florida and they're going to California, like all these other places. And, and you know, they'd say, well, they don't have an income tax in Florida. And, and you were the person that educated me. And I think and I've heard more people talking about this lately, about how we are a donor state. And so many of those states are welfare states, mm-hmm. meaning for every dollar we put into our federal taxes, we get back less than a dollar, whereas states like Iowa North Carolina, Florida, because partly because of their natural disasters or just for their own infrastructure, get back more than a dollar. And that's true in the state of Illinois, too. You know, whether it's uh, because Chicago, for every dollar we put in, we're getting about 73 cents per dollar. And there are parts of the state that get almost two dollars. Yeah, the suburbs are are a little bit uh, hammered a little bit more than Chicago. I think we're at 57 cents on the dollar in the suburbs. Yeah. Yeah. And there are places because we have to make sure that our agricultural lines are strong because there are communities. Communities that don't have as much revenue when it comes to income taxes, and because and there are there are communities that are struggling. There there are hospital deserts, there are food deserts in the state, and we try to reinforce and support those right. communities. Well, one of the things with the donor state issue, though, is this has been along a long time, and um, I know our congressman Bill Foster and, and the delegation of Illinois has been trying to change this formula based, and it just hasn't kept up pace with the times. I mean, I think it goes back to like the '60s, and so you got Indiana. Uh, that and this is just a, you know I'm not gonna go all wonky on you but you know our Medicaid reimbursement for the state of Illinois is 50 cents on the dollar, but if we were to match Indiana's reimbursement rate, which is 63 cents on the dollar, that's another two billion dollars that could come into our budget, but it doesn't because this formula is so old 
it favors the smaller states. Yeah. It really doesn't have anything to do with need or, or anything altruistic. Right. It's just a formula they put into place decades and decades ago. It passes out. It used to pass out of the House all the time, and then the, the, the smaller states would come together in the Senate and kill it every single year, every single year, because... The small states don't want to give up that money. Understandable. So uh, we're going to continue to get our 50 cents back, and Indiana's <sighs> going to continue to get their 63 cents, and they're going to brag that they're so much better than us, but actually we're kind of uh, really, really leading the path, and yeah. and we're getting a little bit better than Indiana with, on a lot of things. And a big part of that are the unions, right? Because And the reason that we're able to make sure that the that labor and, and working families uh, have some stability in comparison to places like Indiana where they do get more back in, in tax dollars. But, you know, I remember there was a... Oh, what's the? It was a young senator, uh, Barrickman. Barrick, Barrick, does that sound right? Senator Barrickman was telling me that. Uh, well, you know, in Indiana, I, I, I was telling him that in Indiana at the time in 2016, executives were earning about 272 times what their employees were making, and he go and he said, "Well, at least it's a job." Like this is really the, this is truly and uh, and Joseph Reinhardt who joins us from uh, from the Painters Union Local two sixty five is this secretary treasurer and business manager do you, do you have to have all three jobs <laughs> yeah uh, a whole more than that too you yeah know, I believe, it. I believe it but I mean that's the reaction people have and that's that's what we we came up against in uh, with SAG after fortunately we were able to continue to tell our story and we have approval like seventy percent of uh, Americans support SAG AFTRA but they also are like, uh, you know, you have a, a fun job. You should be lucky to be working. That's how people talk, isn't it? Yeah, every day. Yeah. Every day. You know, we talk to these guys and they're making, you know, $20 an hour. Well, I'm working. Yeah. Well, what about if you get sick? What about your pension? What about, you know, you're just for your kids to, to have a better life? Right. And you're going to sit there and stick in these jobs that are not going to get you anywhere. And then you get, uh, you know, screwed over by the contractor and there's nobody there to help you get your money back. Exactly. And then we do that every day. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's nuts. And I can't believe that we, you know, uh, we've been talking to our friends in other states. We talked to uh, Jess Piper, who's the Dirt, the dirt Road Dem in Missouri. Uh, we talked to our friend uh, Dan Schaefer. Uh, he's the author of The Recombobulation Area in Wisconsin. I can't believe that Wisconsin is so all over the map when this is a place where labor essentially really blossomed. Yeah, we cannot figure it out. You know, it's it, they're our neighbor. They're having some problems up there themselves. But uh, yeah. down here, it's... Uh, like I said, with everything happening, uh, unions are, uh, you know, looked on more favorably by the younger people. Yeah. Right now, because they're like, wow, you know, like I said, you get your health and welfare and your pension and a savings plan. So, like, apprentice starts in uh, electricians right now, or even with us. By the time he walks out, they have close to a million dollars. That's just in their annuity. Not that's not including their pension. See, and sometimes I used to think, like, should I, you know, we, our our, our uh, benefits in SAG after are a little bit different. <laughs> like, we have to earn at least twenty six thousand dollars a year to qualify for health insurance. Eighty seven percent of us don't meet that threshold because there's so many. We have one hundred sixty seven thousand members. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, like, you know, we. Well, you know, it's amazing. And so I haven't told the audience much about our contract, but I can't tell you. Uh, this is going to sound so – I don't know how it lands for other people. When we get auditions, like let's say at one point in my career, I was getting maybe six to eight auditions a week, right? Um, and I just – I had to pull back because because I would have to memorize. I would have to be a different person for each you know audition. Uh, and so they're doing this thing now where we don't have to – We they're, they're eliminating the stress of – 
having to memorize everything because it's just it's impossible because these are you're going to get maybe one out of 100 jobs and they're making you do all this work. So that's gone. They're limiting the number of pages we have to work on all like these are some of the silly things that people don't necessarily think about. But like just the stress of that being gone. I'm so grateful for like, thank you. Thank you for that. But they're also doing protections for AI, which uh, is really important. Is there any I know that there is some legislation in Springfield in regards to AI. Have you had a chance to look at the at the what the the direction of that's going to be? Well, I know that the one thing that we did pass in uh, Representative Jennifer Gongertwitz passed it uh, is deep fakes. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and really nailing down on that because that's uh, one of the things that I think is very, very concerning. And so we passed legislation to address that. I know that uh, the General Assembly is going to bring up more in the AI field uh, next year. And, it, and it's been a topic of discussion with um, our, our national partners, NCSL. Uh, and nationwide, we're looking at legislation in other states on how they're uh, fortifying AI. In addition to that, we're looking at, uh, you know, the algorithms, the yeah. Facebook algorithms and, and making sure that our youth aren't targeted like we've seen them being targeted sure. with ads and, and being ad- uh, addressed by people that they shouldn't be like contacting with and age verifications and looking at Facebook as a business and I, I realize there's that free speech component, but there is a business model. And right. we need to look at their business model and if they're doing uh, unfair and unsavory practices with their algorithms. We need to, we as the government, need to crack down on that. That's the role of government is to protect the health, safety, and welfare of the people, the people in the state of Illinois and also on the national level. So we're looking at that as well next Excellent. session. Yeah. That's great. We're hanging out with uh, with Representative Stephanie Kifowit and uh, Joseph Reinhardt, who is uh, the business manager, secretary, treasurer of Local 265. Is that right? Painters okay. District Council 14. <laughs> Painters Council District 14. I'm on some other website then. Am I on the wrong page? Hold on a second. Yeah. I, I used to be. Affiliated. Is that an old page? It, oh, yes. <laughs> That's the first thing that comes up for you, just so oh, you know. It? So, oh, yeah, no. uh, fourteen. Yeah, PDC fourteen dot com. PDC four. He's like he let it go the last time. He let me do yeah. that. Very oh, kind. I, I, am know, from, I, I am from uh, local two sixty five though. See so all these slide. things. So it all it all works. It all, all comes right. together. All well, let's take a quick break here and continue our conversation. We come back on WCPT eight twenty Heartland Signal. If you have a question for either one of our guests, the number is seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. More in a moment. Vasquez is taking your calls now. At 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Now on WCPT 820. We are hanging out in studio with Representative Stephanie Kifowit. And joining us as well is the Secretary, Business Manager, and Treasurer for Painters Local 14. Almost right. Almost right. What <laughs> business is it? Manager, Secretary, Treasurer. I think I said all those things just in a different order. Oh, that's BMST. <laughs> BMST. Gotcha. Well, thank you for joining us, both of you. And uh, it was a, it is a very good year for labor. I think that uh, seeing UAW get there, get what they asked for. Look, when it, the SAG-AFTRA's uh, resolution is still sort of hanging out there, and I knew it was going to be complicated when W when WGA settled. Uh, like they were excited. They they almost seemed like they couldn't believe they got what they got. Mm-hmm. And I told everyone from the beginning when they settled that uh, or when they came to an agreement and voted to ratify, uh, we're more disposable in the eyes of the industry. I mean, don't you get the sense that like a lot of people just think, well, anybody could do that job when it comes to, to labor of any of any type. That's right. We hear that all the time. Anybody can paint. But yeah. can you do it properly and have it, you know, it's a protective coating, you know, it's going to fail, look right. like crap. You know, it's 
that's why you need professional painters to go in there and you know take care of business and make sure that it's done properly so that there is no paint failure, just like the tank the, in Lagrange. You know, what happened that. with the tank in Lagrange? Um, they painted it last year, and the paint is already failing because they used a non-union contractor oh. from Michigan. And our, uh, after the inspection, we got a hold of it, and our guys just went to the uh, um, to their village meeting mm-hmm. last week. And it's you know, it's out there. It, it's uh, in the newspapers, and now the residents are like, "What's going on?" Got to do this all over again. Yeah. Well, they well, they have to come back and fix it. It's under warranty, but unfortunately, we, we can't stop them. But a year before they when they put the bid in, we told them don't use them because they're not going to do it the proper way. So that that coating should have lasted fifteen years, and they only last one. Jeez, that is crazy. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it, in order to cut corners and save money, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. I, $25,000. That was all they saved? Mm-hmm. And, not, it, well, it's not saving them now. No, 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 no. It's now really it's a not. big headache. <laughs> I was really excited to see there's a list. I don't, have you seen this like list of, uh, of the Thanksgiving, like the foods at our union shops? Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's, uh, I, I, I think, Cool Whip. I was so excited to find that. I was excited to find out that my blender is made in the United States by union shops. Like that kind of stuff is great. We need to pay attention to that. Yeah, absolutely. We send out a list all the time around every holiday. Yeah. Even like the brewers, I love seeing that. Yeah, which I, I you know, we got our we have our progressive Brewmanaka Brewing Company as our sponsor, but uh, I know that there's a lot of really great. Uh, I, I'll see if I have any samples for you to take home with you. <laughs> I don't know if you're. Uh, I have I have some woke coffee. <laughs> oh yeah. No, the, the, those are great. I buy those all the time. Do you really? Yeah, Thank yeah. you. You well, support, whenever, you support whenever I'm in that area. Yeah, I always yeah. pick them up. So. Well, they're available in the Chicagoland area now too. Oh, very yeah, good. But very I will send good. you home with some at least some woke. It's nitro woke coffee. Is so it's not uh, it's not uh, alcoholic. It's just uh, coffee. Coffee's really, good. It's really good. I like coffee. Like, shockingly good. <laughs> so what are your plans uh, for the holidays, for Thanksgiving? Is, your son, is is he still in Japan? Yeah, he's, he's going to be in Japan for another yeah. two years. So. Oh, my God. So, Serving so, in yeah. the Navy? Yes, he's in the Navy. And, and going back to, you know, Made in America, I mean, his... Uh, his ship was out there by Taiwan, and, and China unloaded like a whole half of their fleet on watching their ships and stuff. So uh, if you don't buy American, you're supporting China and their aggression against our troops. So, again, everything's interconnected. But yeah. it's climate change or, or the stuff that you buy, uh, when you're buying something from China, you're supporting that economy that's being aggressive towards our troops over there. So. And, American. and so much manufacturing, and that's been one of the things that, that President Biden has been focusing on, yeah. is bringing back more manufacturing. My favorite movie growing up, and this is such a, I mean, like, I, the image of of Sally Field uh, in Norma Ray. Yeah. Like, what a weird movie to love as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> right? But we, but we, you know, as actors, like, we've been using that image of, you know, like, going against the grain. Everyone, people are like, oh, you know, come on, we're lucky to have these jobs. No, we need to stand together. It's important. Well, but are, you're lucky to have a job, but does that mean you get treated, like, terrible? Yeah. I mean, I mean, treatment, I mean, I mean, oh, you're lucky to have your job, but if you're treated terribly, is that really kind of the foundations of our country and the foundations of our society and, right. you know, our community. That, I mean, that's not, I mean, no. that's why, that's why, going back to the unions, you know, we have 40-hour work week and, uh, and yes. our, our safety protections because, you know, hello, you're lucky to have a job, but if you lose your, your half your hand, you know, that's not a lucky thing. So, right. 
Don't uh, even get me started on the, on the states that are lowering the child labor laws it be, and, they, and they're shortening the school week. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Let's uh, let's <laughs> before I start before I start yelling. Uh, let's take a quick break. We're hanging out in studio with uh, Joseph Reinhardt, who is the B, the business manager, secretary, treasurer for Painters Local District 14. Uh, he's also a member of uh, num- of district of is it what's 265? Then? Local is that 265. Local 265. Representative Stephanie Kifowit, representing the mm, 84th now, district. 84th. See, I got just too much information. I didn't write it all. I also, I also represent all four counties. Too, King, Kendall, Will, and DuPage. So I'm a quad county. Bro, look at you with the four yep. corners right there. I know. That's fascinating. Know, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and continue our conversation. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. And don't forget, uh, Kirk Banks is also the sponsor every Thursday of our our segment, uh, Right Wing War on Public Education. And I bring that up because we have an educator in studio with us, a retired teacher, I believe. Ellen Holly joins us in studio. Uh, it's one of the things that uh, we've been uh, trying to highlight is the voucher programs in Wisconsin. And part of all the things that we want to get done that we want to see in our world comes down to showing up to vote, doesn't it, Ellen? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It is. Uh, I am excited to talk to you because uh, we we are we can hear us in Wisconsin and uh, and we are desperate to help our neighbors and we also love their help on a lot of issues. So tell us about how you got involved in politics, Ellen. This was not on my bingo card <laughs> in um, 2011 with Act 10 Scott Walker. Um, we had won there the Super go. Bowl. And we were so happy. And then just a few days later, the bomb dropped, which was Act 10, which took collective bargaining away from public employees. So overnight, my income dropped 18 percent. So with, without new warning, and it was just like, boom, this is what it is. Um, couldn't um, sit at the table with administration anymore. And we had a good relationship. So I got really angry. And so... Um, being a teacher, not a lot of money, but I can pick up a bullhorn and I can go to a rally and I can lead chants and I can collect signatures and um, just the showing up. So for months and months and months, we would drive to Madison three to four times a week. And I would drive because at the time I was a school counselor, didn't have any homework to grade. The teachers would sit in the back with their headlamps on and they'd grade their papers and we'd do our sit-in or we'd do our rally and then we'd go home and then we'd take a day off and then we'd do that again. And every weekend, every weekend. And we're still feeling the effects of that. And even though we have a great governor now, um, that has not all been rescinded. Um, Maybe with some of this redistricting things in the Supreme Court, maybe that will come up at some point in time. So that was my baptism by fire. And it was certainly not, I just was happy doing my little camping and, you know, playing with my cats and reading and doing things. And I just became like a political maniac. Well, I just never thought, and I've been doing a little bit of research on this, is when the attention turned this or the tide turned against teachers like it it still flabbergasts me that you know i remember 15 years ago people saying you know we need to pay teachers like we pay athletes you know they're the ones that do all and then all of a sudden it was you guys are the enemy of the people somehow and Mm -hmm. i and i I was on another radio station in uh when governor round or we had a a republican governor who tried to break the unions and yeah people would call me and like you know teachers have too much power you know they they they're 
asking for too much. It's just mind blowing to me that this is what's happening in our country. It has to be. I mean, it seems like that's what how you felt too. It, it, it's it's a, it's a shame because when things started getting better, and now you've got groups like Moms for Liberty. Oh my God! Yeah. So um, <laughs> I go to school board meetings and strike terror in the hearts of those folks and a couple of school board members who could or could not be affiliated with them, probably are, and just talk about Moms for Liberty and banning books and mental health and uh, LGBTQ rights and come in prepared with the facts and a little dress and and they just love seeing me so much. But um, so that political stuff, it's all local. Right. It's, it's all local. So what we're concentrating now at Walworth County are um, school board races, which will be coming up in April, uh, county board uh, meetings, um, um, elections that will be coming up in April. We have four elections in Wisconsin next year. It's going to be a busy year. I'm a poll worker. I am the um, the ranking Democrat in our little neighborhood poll and because checks and balances are good. And so we're working on making sure we have poll workers in each of our 29 municipalities. And we're, we're busy. So we see the big picture. We see the Biden, the Tammy Baldwin. But we know that our office and the between 10 and 11,000 people in Walworth County who tend to vote Democratic, those are the folks we need to get engaged. Yep. Um, we, we spoil our volunteers shamelessly by feeding them and having beer in the fridge, you know, Monaco Brewery. There's a, I know, there's a shout out to Kirk there. (laughs) And, um, but do a lot of training and do a lot of relationship building, Mm -hmm. not just with our volunteers, but with the doors that we do. We don't just go to Democrat houses. And this is my thing. Yes. Talk about this. Don't just go to the, the double D's and the triple D's, right? Which means people who voted in primaries, Democratic primaries, right. the last two or three times. Right. I want to go to the doors that aren't on my list. Yes. And the thing is, in Wisconsin, it's different than Illinois, because I used to live here. You don't register with a party. Okay. So... I don't, it, it's hard, like I, I have some data that tells me who tends to vote Democratic. When people say, I'm a registered Democrat, I said, no such thing in Wisconsin. Right. So we were going to every single door and with a program called, um, let's see, uh, Community outreach. Um, is an, is it a, when you say program, is it an app? Is this a or no? Is not it a, an app. It's just something your, that we decided uh, to do. Yeah, and that was neighbor to neighbor. Um, real conversations and just like knock, knock, knock. Hi, I'm your neighbor from the next town and wondering what issues are important to you and not even get into the politics first and say like, yeah, I hear that a lot. Or yeah, I'm a teacher. Yeah. My mom had that problem too. And it's really hard to, you know, get your head around that. And so you've got that conversation going. We do this all year round. So we don't just show up right before the election. Right. And through those conversations, then we're able to um, ascertain a little bit more. How do you tend to vote or do you have a, you know, do you tend to vote one way or the other? If there's strong Democrats, would you like to volunteer? Would you like to join? And then we follow through. But that way, we're not sending volunteers knocking at doors that are not very receptive to us. Right. Um, when it comes time to vote. When it comes time to vote. Get the vote, right. I personally go to the Trump Flags or the giant Trump figures, and just like knock, knock, knock. <laughs> Hi, I love that. Yes, <laughs> because yeah. I just um, 
Because no one else, because they're not going there. People aren't going there. People aren't going there. And rural. We are rural. We... Yes, tell us the area of Walworth County. Walworth County has about 105,000 people. It's right on the Illinois border, uh, north of Richmond and, um, you know, the Crystal Lake area. And um, we have a couple major, major 10,000 people, population centers. Uh But then we have places that haven't had their doors knocked since the 60s. Yeah, I believe it. And when I went a couple years ago and like way out, you know, mile driveway and you're walking down there going, oh, I hope I don't get shot on this one, knocking on the door. And people are like, are you a Jehovah's Witness? I'm like, no, why would you ask? They're the only ones that have ever been here. I'm like, oh, no, I'm your Democratic Party. And I saw you sign a petition and tell me what's on your mind. And yeah. Do you need a sign? And do you need this? So that's how we're engaging. Alan. This is amazing. It's so funny because I ran for office in 2020. And, I saw that, yes. And so much of what, I mean, I just remember, like, you know, being guided and all those, like, having my field director telling me all those things. You know, mm-hmm. here's what you say. Uh, here's what you, a- the you know, the ask, right? There's mm-hmm. the, we're asking for your support. We're asking for your money. We're asking for your, you know, time. You know, these are the things that we need to keep things going. And I I, uh, I, I need to be reminded of that and to be inspired by that. And, and so we're talking to everybody out there, right? Now, uh, Ellen is telling you to start talking to your neighbors. Find out if you have yes. an organization in your community. So we haven't had necessarily. We don't. We we're supposed to have a Democratic committeeman. Uh, we do have one, but they they have not engaged voters at all in this area. Uh, it's a long story off wow. the air. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. It's uh, and if I had the time and uh, and the resources, I would run for that. Sure. Uh, but my son, I have a son who has uh, severe challenges mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm trying to see. The, you don't have to go with the people who are elected. I mean, a community can start their own organization, right? Yes, yes, yes. And for a while, the state organization, they basically said, oh, yeah, Walworth County, we're not going to send you any resources because, quite frankly, you don't matter. Yeah. And we're like, what? So we started our so own 10,000 people don't matter. Right. Well, when you're looking at Milwaukee, Madison, the big, big areas, and they've realized that that strategy doesn't work anymore. So we started our own group, Southern Wisconsin Grassroots Network, and um, did a lot of actions. We have um, Handmaiden, uh, the red robes and the white hats, and we show up to... Republican events to welcome them because, I mean, you got to give them a nice, warm Wisconsin welcome. Yeah. And did a lot of um, just actions like after school shootings, we'd get um, the empty chairs on the courthouse and um, have speakers. And so the Democratic Party in Wisconsin now is hot. Uh, ben Wickler, who's our state chair, is He's probably the fire. best chair yeah. in the whole country. I'm lucky to work with him a lot. I work with him on some special projects. I've just started working with the DNC, the national organization. I'm going to be the um, the co-chair of the Wisconsin Democratic Seniors Council. And, it's, and all I want them to do is talk to their grandkids. Yeah. You know, um, as a retired teacher... I have a lot of students on Facebook, and I will personally message each of them, what is your plan for voting? And they'll be like, is there an election? And I'm like, oh, yes, sweetheart. <laughs> Let's walk through this. How oh, do you do boy. this? Yeah. Um, so much obstructionism in Wisconsin. Um, we can't register people to vote anymore. We used to be able to before Act 10. The town clerk has to do it or a designee. So I was trained by the state government and um 
accountability board and I could just have my clipboard and could register anybody. Right. Can't do that anymore. Wow. So they're making it very, very hard. They took away the drop boxes. They um, were not letting people with disabilities or people that were homebound have someone uh, deliver their ballot for them. They had to do it themselves. And then there were some lawsuits. So things things are starting to look pretty good now. We've got um, Janet Protasewicz, mm-hmm. our um, new Supreme Court justice, and we worked really, really hard to get her elected. And I know it's supposed to be nonpartisan, and there's no such thing. There's no anymore. No, um, sorry, yeah. yeah. No, and, I said, and people are like, well, it's nonpartisan. I said, well, yeah, no, please. it's not. Tell Clarence that while he's jetting off to some yacht trip. Well, I'm just saying. And I, and and whether she. You know, I I don't know how she votes, but her values are very much the same as what our parties are and what the state parties are. Right. And we in Walworth County, which used to be just so red, like neon red, devil red, and we got 47 percent of of the voters to vote for her because we called every blessed um, voter. We did postcards. We did doors. We had billboards. We had four-by-four message signs. So we... um you sound relentless, Ellen. But we're fun. I, mean, I, know it's, I know you have a group, and, I, and I'm not... Oh, we have a great not, group. Yeah, you're Fabulous the, group. I, I would love to work with you. We this. have such a good time, though, so we work really hard, but we... You know, there's Monaco beer in the fridge, and there's always a hot buffet, and we really like each other because yeah. we've been through, you know, hell and back a it few helps. times politically. But um, so we do everything unless we're told it's against the law. <laughs> you, you sound like me. Uh, you know, <laughs> ask for forgiveness. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and when you're my age, it's, it's great now because it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't ask permission about that. Did I need to get a permit for that? Mm-hmm. Uh, no. I, I did, uh, yeah, I wasn't aware. S- sorry, yeah. and the event's over. Next time, yeah. and then I forget again. <laughs> but it's just <laughs> amazing needing to have people understand how politics and policy affect their lives. Because they'll say, "Well, what what does it have to do with me?" I don't know. Do you you want access to birth control? Or they'll, you know, I'll have a former student say, well, I'm never going to have an abortion. I said, well, I never say never. And and that could very well be. But what about birth control? Right. And they're like, what do you mean? And I tell them, they're like, what? So finding those areas and really working at, you know, student uh, debt and uh, climate crisis and women's reproductive health and just really that message, that message, that message. So we're busy. We have a good time, though. We yeah. have a good time. We are hanging out with Ellen Holly. Uh, she is a she's a she's a former teacher who got radicalized by uh, Governor Walker's insanity. I'll never forget those images of teachers in the Capitol. Uh, nonstop. My sister lives and works in, in Madison. Was also part of those those protests. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has gone on to uh, work aggressively and progressively in Wisconsin to get out the vote to get people energized and engaged. Uh, let's continue our conversation. When we come back. Uh, she's an activist for. Walworth County, Wisconsin Democratic Party. Is there a website you want, like, if we can support yes. the work that you guys are doing? Wisda- I'm sorry, Wal- WalworthDems.com. WalworthDems.com. That's W-A-L-W-O-R-T-H-Dems.com.com. Uh, and let's uh, continue the conversation with Ellen when we come back on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. 
Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200, or europeanus.com. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. I just uh, volunteered me and Jerry Walski, a collaborator and co-producer on the show, uh, to go uh, door knocking with Ellen Holly, who joins us in the studio. Uh, she was telling stories about uh, reactions of people on the doors. I, I have to tell you, my favorite door my entire time, there were a couple. So I grew up in this neighborhood, and uh, so I ran for office here. Uh, you know, you get some people that remember you or you see the name on the door, you're like, are you related to the R. Scotts? But my favorite door, Ellen, was this guy, because sometimes people will look right at you and then not answer the door or wave you away, right? But this guy had these shades that lowered down, and he lowered them down. He saw me standing out there, and he kind of did this, ah, jeez, right? Answered the door, and he's looking at the car, and he goes, Patsy? He knew me from when I was five years old because my dad called me Patsy. It was a retired firefighter. It was one of my favorite doors. And here's a guy who might not have otherwise opened the door for a Democrat. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there I was. And uh, and he actually held a – he was having a, an Oktoberfest, and I got – I got four sheets of uh, petition signed nice. at his. I mean, like, you just never know what's behind that door. And that's, like, always the thrill of it, isn't it? Well, and sometimes a different kind of thrill. My, my least favorite door was uh, when the man very nicely opened the door with just his slippers. Just his slippers. <laughs> and I was just like, eyes up, eyes up, eyes up. My God. Wow. What's your plan to dress? I mean, vote. You know, so. <laughs> wow. My fear was letting uh, people's pets out. You never. <gasps> isn't that the worst? I don't want to be the one responsible for a dog going missing. I know. Yeah, that, that doesn't was, win votes. No. Uh, I, they were all two were retrieved. Uh, but that's all. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know how people open their door and not have a plan. <laughs> yes, and it's always a little yippy dog, it seems. But, um, but yeah, we so over the course of 15 years, we've knocked almost every door in Walworth County. And we're, we're at the point where, like, I have neighborhoods that I've been going to for 15 years. And they are happy to see me. And, yeah. you know, retired teachers or I've had their kids in school. And, hey, what's Susie doing? How's this? And how's this? That relationship thing. Yeah. Super important. It's very important. Do you have like a, I mean, is there a, is there a community also online? Because you'd be surprised. We have a, a page called Buy Nothing, which means that if you have something in your house that you think I could, I could throw away, or donate, first you check with your community and say, hey, does anybody need this pizza maker or this huh. or this uh, just even like flower vases you have too many of? And you'd be surprised that those groups also turn into like where we are turning for resources for the migrants who are living at the uh, police station. Yes. So I highly recommend, if you want to like another, you don't have to do this, but buy nothing. Look it up and, okay. and you can also do in search of. And so you'd be surprised like it's another way to connect people in the community and they tend, and then if you know each other, you're less likely to be jerks in their faces when it comes to election day. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Buy nothing. Yeah. We found that um, 
we did some training with a national group called uh, Rural Power Labs, and we get a, a grant if we uh, knock on so many doors, make so many phone calls, we get some money, and we get free texting, so that's really great. But through really? the training, um, we talked about the importance of being visible in the community. Right. So um, this uh, Saturday, we're, we do our two-year, two-a-year highway cleanup, where we have, you know, 40 yeah. bags of old Bud Light bottles and all junk like that. Uh, we do a blood drive. We have a little free blue pantry, our little blue pantry nice. that we fill up three times a week. And so we're we're in the community yeah. and we're you doing... Got, you got all your bases covered. I'm inspired. I'm like, because I've done cleanups before, but I haven't like gotten to the... I did it once and then things got away from me. You need to have that energy of other people that if someone drop, you know, has to drop out, someone else sure. can pick up the charge, right? Yep. No, yeah. we, we like that and like interacting that way. We um, bought some animals at the county fair through the FFA auction, which doesn't seem like a big deal like to a city person, but it's something that the other folks don't do. And that was very much noticed at the auction, like, oh, well, the only political party that's apparently interested in our youth would be the Walworth County Democrats. Yes. I mean, yeah. you know, and then you follow up with a press release and a picture and everybody's happy. That's outstanding. We've been talking to Ellen Holly. She is with an activist, a retired retired teacher. Mm-hmm. You taught music, and you were a counselor as well. Counselor as well. Oh, mm-hmm. see, and uh, I love that. I mean, because you talk to so many people throughout your career, and the way I imagine it is like you, you you've put in all this work. You get slapped down by the the governor of uh, Wisconsin who decided that teachers weren't worth uh, supporting anymore, and you're like, no, I'm a con-, like basically you continue to counsel. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you're taking that on and, and making sure that people's futures are, you know, open to them. Yes. That's what it is. Although it was funny during when we were collecting the recall signatures, we, um, the parent would be in the pickup truck and they'd be flipping me off and the kid in the back seat would be waving <laughs> out the window. And I just, I just loved it. I just was like, this will be our little secret. Well, if you're wondering how much I'm, I'm enchanted by Ellen Holly, I just told her we're going out for dinner after this. Sorry, Steve, my husband's at home. Uh, I will bring some uh, leftovers for you because uh, we're going out to grab something to eat with, uh, with Jerry. What else, what did you want to make sure you told folks before I, I let you go and wrap up? Um, I just think that, um, any way you can engage your community here in Illinois, definitely. But we can use help. We'll take yep. good care of you. We're less than an hour away. Kenosha County, Racine County, very close. Um, this is a big one, and anything that folks can do, we will. Um, we'll just we'll just mother and grandmother you to pieces. So no, we will. I heard chili and lasagna. I don't know if it's the same dish, but <laughs> I'm there for it. And with some uh, some Biden beer or uh, a Tammy Shandy or anything that goes with that. There we go. Uh, Go ahead. Just thank you so much for having me today. It's just really fun to get to meet you. And now you can join us by the phone, too. If you're not in Chicago, we can catch up and see how things are going. Anytime you have something that we can get engaged in, you know, if you're doing postcard writing, you know, we just need to know what to write and we need a list or uh, calling people, texting people, door knocking. Uh, I will show up in the cold. Uh, me and I'm not going to volunteer Jerry without him uh, uh, agreeing, but I would come up. I think his brother already did. Oh, there you go. So I think we got a team going. Outstanding. And WalworthDems.com uh, to find out more about all the great thing, work that they're doing to get voters engaged and uh 
and and keep Wisconsin with that energy that Wiz Dems and Ben Wickler have been. Uh, and we will probably see you for the Democratic convention here. Uh, I don't know what uh, you're planning for the, the Republican convention in Milwaukee. Showing up in my handmaidens. I, I may get a red robe with you. There we go. I like it. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez. In your communities in Chicago. On WCPT 820. I am so delighted to welcome in the studio a very patient guest who has uh, uh, joined us, uh, Pastor Anquay, the, uh, the the policy director for Faith in Place. You can go to faithinplace.org and learn more about their mission. Uh, right now, even just looking at the screen, uh, I, I am dazzled by the, the work that you are all setting out to do. Hello. Welcome to our studio. Thank you. Thank you so much. I ask this question all the time just because I, I'm always curious about people before we talk about their topics. Where did you grow up, my friend? In New Jersey. New Jersey? Yes, East oh, Coast. All right, then. And what brought you to Chicago? Work, actually. Okay. Uh, so, uh, But I've been in Chicago for 25 years, so I feel like I'm a native Chicagoan now. So did you live near the, like, near the beaches and stuff in New Jersey? I did. I did. I grew up in Newark, um, went to school in South Jersey, lived in Atlantic City for quite a few oh, years. Oh, okay. Right. So I lived on the beach in, yeah. Al- in Atlantic City, uh, transitioned from Atlantic City to Louisiana. Oh. I was in gaming. I was a gaming uh, hospitality. Uh, okay. I was a cas- casino controller for the gaming industry for quite a while. And then I came to Chicago. Wow. Before it's I started, quite the journey. All that started before sure. I started pastoring. Well, before we get to, to pastoring, I, I, I do want to ask you, because I, I used to have an argument with a, a friend of mine about the beaches in Chicago. They contended that they are not real beaches because it's not an ocean. Now, working in in the area that you do, uh, what are your thoughts on our beautiful lakefront? That's twenty six point two miles of lakefront along the city. Well, abs- well, first of all, the Chicago lakefront is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, before getting here, I probably would have said the same thing. It's not a real <laughs> beach because it's not an ocean. Okay, but uh, if you ride down the lake and you see some of those waves crashing against the rocks, you say, "Okay, wait a minute, this is a real beach." This, so yes, uh, there you go. Mm-hmm. So tell us what 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 was when did you hear the call to to the work that you do now? Oh, about twenty five years ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, indeed. Both Chicago and the call to being a pastor. And the call to be the pastor. I, yeah. I, I think that those are the heavenly voices of Chicago. I think should be heard more often. Most definitely. <laughs> and I've been pastoring at a great church, the St. Luke Missionary Baptist Church, for nineteen years. Lovely. And. Um, did a lot of work around social justice, community activism, mm-hmm. which landed me to Faith in Place uh, five years ago. And your mission at Faith in Place is it is rooted in, envi- in environmental justice. Yes, absolutely. And this is something I only came to learn more about, I would say, about five years ago. And and I don't think that people, they, they probably hear it as sort of a touchy-feely or one of those progressive terms. But if you really look at it, you can have a better understanding of where we build factories and where we have an impact that is experienced by people who don't have other choices except to live where they are, right? Right. So environmental justice, climate justice, um, what we have found out is that people, marginalized people, uh, are bearing the brunt of what we call climate change or the injustice of uh, poor environment or um, 
the deteriorating climate. So when you say factories, pollution, fossil fuels, um, in those particular communities, you have higher degrees of asthma, yeah. uh, higher degrees of cancers. And so they have no choice but to live there because they can't pack up and leave. So when they have flooding, they have to bear the brunt of flooding. If they have um, poor water, they have to bear the brunt of poor water. So that's why we have this big conversation around environmental justice because it's really environmental injustice because the people that are bearing the brunt of what's happening in our climate are marginalized people of color normally. And I and I think that there have been moments throughout our lifetimes where we've seen, oh, that would, that's horrible. How do we let that happen? And then we let it happen over and over again, mm-hmm. right? When the river in Cleveland, when they would, you know, make jokes about how the water was on fire because of all the pollution there. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I know that Long Island used to be a joke and things like that. And then we, and then years later, Flint, Michigan, mm-hmm. with the water coming out of the taps to a community that is already under so much strain and stress, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we keep doing this over and over again. How do we help people be more mindful about what it means to, one, make sure that people are safe in their communities, but also reconnect with, with, our, with nature? Well, uh, an organization such as Faith in Place, which mm-hmm. is a nonprofit uh, that actually engages with houses of worship, we actually believe that when we engage with houses of worship, doesn't mean... Uh, no matter what your faith is, your faith background or tradition, we want to engage the house of worship around climate justice to educate them on our programs around um, energy and climate, um, food and land use, um, water justice. Uh, we also do youth programming, advocacy around those topics. And so we want those houses of worship to be the place where everyone goes to and says, does this matter to your community? And that house of worship, whether it's a Jewish synagogue, a Baptist church, uh, a Baha'i temple, um, a Muslim mosque, doesn't matter. They actually are concerned with what's going on in the environment. Do you get the sense, because I, I, I've come across this and, and I cringe, because there, there are folks who truly believe that everything that is here that we, whether it's fossil fuels or wood from our forests, that God has put those things here for us to consume and basically destroy. Like, like that's its intent almost. Do you, do you get that? Have you had those conversations? Well, I've had some real tough conversations around people that don't appreciate what God has actually given us. But uh, most faiths understand that we are to be good stewards yes. of what God gave us. Yes. And so um, faith traditions all teach that God gave us this earth and we should be good stewards of what he gave us. That's what I mean. So we have to preserve the water. We have to make sure the air it, it continues to be good. Um, why will we destroy something that whoever you call God gave us to live in? And, and so I say it this way. You can go down that road to destroy what God has given us, but God has the ability to replenish what he gave us, but we will no longer be here to see it because at a certain point, the earth will become inhabitable because of the destruction we did. And then we wouldn't be here to even see it replenished. And and that, because we do act as though we are the most important elements of this planet. We're not really, are we? We're part of a ecosystem. Yes. So we're just one component of what God created. He created nature. And so let's appreciate 
what he created. He created the uh, animals and the insects and uh, the birds, the sun, the moon, the all air, here first. all of us, all, yeah, all of us here, so that we supposed to coexist with what God created, yeah, and and, and not take advantage of it or disregard or to abuse what God gave us. Incredible. I, I, I'm so thrilled to meet you. My I, my, my uh, uh, collaborator on the show, Jerry, because I've been going out for walks in the woods. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and we, we all live within, you know, a pretty decent, whether it's a park or the forest reserve, walkable distance, bike or bus. Mm-hmm. We have ways to get there. So I've been spending a lot of time just wander, time wandering in the woods. <laughs> just it, it, it's Actually, it's called Appreciating Nature. Yes. And at Faith in Place, we actually have a program that we actually take people on nature walks mm-hmm. and bird watching. Um, we, uh, we have education around the monarch, uh, the monarch butterfly, about how they migrate. The migration compares or is similar to the great migration of, uh, of people who came into Chicago area. So we try to get people out into nature so that they can appreciate those nature trails, those wooded walks, yes. uh, and to see the beauty uh, of just being in nature. It can be transformative. Right. It can be. Talking to the trees, sure. embracing the trees, mm-hmm. and allowing the trees to talk back to you. Those things are important. Yeah. It's it's hard for me now because it, it is. I, I just started walking about four or five days a week in the forest preserves. And uh, it's different when you're there in May than it is in October with not just the leaves falling, but now I can see other people. <laughs> oh, they're on the path right next to me. Okay. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. This is a- not so over-inundated with tr- uh, uh, leaves, leaves and things. Yeah. I'm like, but, but speaking of that, um, we actually partner with the um, Cook County Fire Preserves, and they allow us to come and do nature trails and bring youth out there. So that's one of the great things of our, uh, our programming. We actually connect with nature and use what we have here that's available to us. I think the younger, the better. When I was a kid, I went to Girl Scout camp in uh, East Troy, Wisconsin, and they had programs for kids who were living in communities. Like w- one of my tent mates was from Cabrini, Cabrini Green, mm-hmm. and she had never even really been in nature before. Mm-hmm. And, and it was it was life changing. Mm-hmm. If we can, you know, at, at any age, right, we can have that moment. It starts young. Um, uh, one of our programs, uh, the Eco Ambassadors, we actually uh, start out just as a summer program and where we engaged a few youth and, and had stipends for them. Now it's a year-round program. Uh, our coordinator, uh, um, um, Caesar, actually does a great job engaging teenage youth, and whether it's field trips out into the nature or... Uh, learning about advocacy, uh, what we do down in Springfield to uh, make sure that they are passing the right uh, uh, laws to make sure we continue to protect the planet, uh, just engaging youth in that area. So that's important. And tell me about your green teams. Yes. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, because please. our green teams uh, really is the uh, model that keeps us strong. So uh, we have currently about 270 green teams, and those green teams are located at houses of worship. And again, multi-faith, doesn't, uh, doesn't matter what faith you are. Those 270 uh, green teams, we engage that house of worship as long as there's three people uh, that agree to have a monthly meeting um, around any of our programming. We have a coach that goes in and meets with them, whether we do it by uh, virtual or in person, 
we go in and help them get their programming. Some houses of worship starts community gardens. Some houses of worship um, do um, uh, uh, energy efficiency education. Some houses of worship talk about water and the uh, importance of water. Some houses of worship embrace all of our programs. Uh, they go down to Springfield with us. They advocate, put on green T-shirts, and 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 get rah 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 and cheer uh, uh, down <laughs> I love there. Rah, rah, rah. Right? Yes, we love it too. We love it too. So uh, the green team model is is absolutely important. It's been um, what we have depended on for the twenty some years that we've actually been an organization. I so you guys are are in three states right now. Is that yes, right? Yes. Illinois. Uh, what am I saying? Michigan. And, and well, Wisconsin? actually, it's Illinois, oh, Wisconsin, and Indiana. Okay. So those three states, um, we we operate under the umbrella of Faith in Place. Um, last year, um, we actually merged in February of last year with uh, the Wisconsin IPL and the Indiana IPL, and now it's under all under the umbrella of Faith in Place. So we do our work in three states, same work, same programming. Um, again always considering where they are. We love meeting people exactly where they are. So we don't try to force our program on people, but we try to see exactly what you can do to grow your green team. And if we have, so we have friends listening in Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul, uh, KTNF 950 AM. And I know that you're not in there yet, but if they wanted to start a green team, how do we, how would people expand? Well, if you're in Minneapolis, we have what it, uh, uh, um, a Minnesota IPL, which is Interfaith Power and Light. And Interfaith Power and Light does similar work to what we do. They're not called Faith in Place, but we are part of the National Interfaith Power and Light organization. So even though our three states are called Faith in Place, there is a IPL in Minnesota that would uh, engage them doing work, again, working with houses of worship, people of faith, um, to educate them on climate issues. And I know we have a, a, a wonderful listening audience in Indiana and Wisconsin. So again, it's faithinplace.org. And you'll see where you can click on your map and see mm-hmm. where there's a, a, a green team director if in your community. Exactly. So we reach out. And, and so these are, whether it's Chicago, the northern suburbs, uh, or if it's parts of Wisconsin, uh, you can email and say, hey, I'd like to join your team or start a green team. Or start a green team, Ooh. yes. Mm-hmm. And so if you reach out to us uh, through our contact, uh, we'll be glad to put a coach in contact with you. They'll come out and meet with your house of worship, uh, engage with those that are interested on the programming. Again, um, our programs are advocacy, which helps around um, advocating for certain pieces of not necessarily less legislation because we have a C4 side that actually does that. Sure. But we advocate for the climate. We want to bring, bring our voice and say uh, uh, climate matters. And then we have energy and climate. Uh, we also have uh, youth, food and land sustainability, and water. And uh, what are some of the things, you know, that uh, you talked about going on uh, walks in nature with, uh, in particular, young people? What are some of the programs that they do, whether it's learning about the plants or, I mean, because we, we get folks together in this neighborhood to, for just even garbage pickup, you know, just for like, just, I, I, I call it, we call it plaking, which means you go hiking and picking up garbage at the same time. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and, like and, and we've done things similar to that, yeah. where we had uh, uh, cleanup. We go out to the forest preserve to do cleanup. Um, does it make them mad to see what people do in the fort? It makes me a little angry. It does. It's because once. Come on. So before you take them out, you want to educate. Yeah. 
And so we have three words, um, uh, connect, educate, and advocate. Yeah. And so when we, when we first educate our youth on why the planet is important, why climate matters, and why the environment is something we should be concerned about, then when we take them out to connect to nature, they can appreciate because they've learned about nature. And so, matter of fact, on Thursday, I'm actually engaging with our eco uh, ambassadors um, with their programming. I'm going to be one of their special guests to talk about the work I do around advocacy so that they can, again, appreciate the work. Um, so, again, they will go out to the nation. They want to pick up the, the, the garbage and things because now they understand how important it is to keep that area clean. And they're invested in it. Yeah, you they're know? connected. Right, yeah. exactly. I, yeah, I, 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 try to, I, I try to let the anger take over my walks when I see spray paint on trees mm-hmm. or just all kind. Of, and then I'll find, when I come back, like I saw in this fire pit where people had obviously done whatever kind of partying and tons of beer cans everywhere. And I just didn't have the time to clean it up. I didn't have gloves or bags or anything. But somebody, probably in a group like yours, came through and, and cleaned it all up, and I was like, "Oh, there's good people in the world." It reminds you of that too. Yes, it does. Thank you. Thank of you. course, we're gonna we're gonna take a break here. We are uh, hanging out with our our new friend, and uh, you. hopefully, it's not Thank your you. last. We'd love to have you back and, and continue. Mm-hmm. But we're not done yet. I'm not letting you go yet. Uh, we are talking about the incredible faithinplace.org. That's our website of uh, thriving communities, uh, really getting involved in making sure we are informed, engaged. Uh, we are talking to Pastor. Scott Onquay, Policy Director. Was that right? Yes, I just want to make sure. Policy Director for Faith in Place. Uh, let's take a break here. Oh, before we take a break, I have to change gears for just a moment because we were talking about the passing of Matthew Perry earlier in the show. And I was, I'm a big fan. Me too. Uh, I, I'm a big Friends fan. Oh, just a delightful. I love Chandler, Chandler Bing. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> could I be any sadder? That was corny. Sorry, but I saw that all over the internet. But George wanted to share a movie with us starring Matthew Perry. Hey, George, what's on your mind? Well, first off, I didn't take to Friends right away because it, for some reason, I didn't feel like I fit with the group. Sure. I can but see that. One, one of my cousins was a devoted fan, and even though all of us uh, siblings and cousins kind of teased her about it, uh, as time went by, I, I found the show more and more um, more interesting, and especially the, like the last two, three, four years, the the um, the, the reruns kind of grabbed me, uh-huh. and. Uh, I became more familiar with Matthew Perry's struggles, and it's sad. I mean, 54 is way too young. Mm-hmm. But um, and you mentioned the movie that starred uh, Selma Hayek with Matthew Perry yes. and how they were meeting and having a one-night stand that they thought would that would be the only time they ever saw each other. Well, in the first place, there are... Very few two words in the English language more magical than Selma Hayek. (laughs) Fair. That's fair. my heart. And this is just um, um, maybe a shout-out from Guy Psychology. Um, Any guy who was incredibly fortunate enough to gain the attention of Ms. Hayek and to spend uh, an evening of romance with her, 
would be thinking about the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. And even if it was only dreams from then on, a one-night stand <laughs> would would hardly be, oh, how can we say it, fully satisfying. <laughs> but then, of course, Selma Hayek is such a goddess, and she's so far above the rest of us mere mortals. I'm, I'm talking male mortals here because women are the superior half of the human race. Um it would be up to her, you know? <laughs> of course. Any further involvement would be Sel- Selma's decision. It's it, it's, it's a lovely movie. Uh, by the way, if, you, uh, if you've if you ever seen The Hitman's Wife, Hitman's, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, uh, and I think there's a sequel to it, I think you might enjoy that with Salma Hayek, too, if you haven't seen it with Samuel L. Jackson and Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, that movie was... Um, just on one of the cable stations a couple of days ago, and yeah, there's some I didn't language. There's some language so that she like uses that. Over. There's some language that she uses that we played for my mom, and I should do a reaction video uh, of that on YouTube. But was there was there another movie, or was that the one you want to talk about? Was no, that Fools Rush? No, in? That was the one, and to show how my consciousness has changed. Um, Years ago, I would have automatically said, "Ah, that's a chick movie." <laughs> <laughs> Fair, <laughs> but I hear not. You. not yeah. But now I would think I would be ashamed to say that. Oh, it's very sweet, George. Thanks for calling in. Join your green team. Right, find so your find your green team in your neighborhood. All right, George. Um, well, I'm already a member of an environmental group that uh, does outings and cleanups Excellent. and stuff. Great, oh, George. And by the way, Andy, our producer, also on the green team at his church. So what? apparently, I'm the odd person out here. All right, I got to get on my green team. Thanks, George. Have a great night. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We'll take a break here and continue our conversation with Pastor Onke after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM Minneapolis-St. Paul. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. I want to thank Pastor Onke for joining us today. You can go to faithinplace.org and join one of the green teams or you know start a green team in your community if there isn't one. Uh, and so when you go through that process, Pastor, of, uh, of deciding you want to, if you don't have one near you, let's say here in Gladstone Park, I wanted to start a green team. So we reach out and we meet with either in person or on Zoom with a director and then we, but then we have to go and collect more people, don't we? Exactly. <laughs> well, we we try to get you to get at least three committed people okay. at your house of worship uh, that are willing to engage in our, on our platforms. Uh, and we have coaches strategically placed throughout the state, so okay. it's not like a one a coach from Chicago has to come all the way out to the northwest suburbs. We actually have someone who works in the northwest suburbs for green teams here. Uh, we also have someone who works maybe like in Lake County, okay. you know, green team efforts there, central Illinois, um, all the way down to southern Illinois. And then up into Wisconsin Wisconsin, and same thing, in yeah. uh, Milwaukee, Madison, um, and then in Indiana, uh, the Gary, Fort Wayne areas, um, all the way down to Bloomington, Indi- uh, Indianapolis areas. We have people that can work with you. I love this so much. Yeah. I'm so excited to have met with you. And you mentioned also, you know, keeping in contact because you are the the uh, liaison I'm, with Springfield. Yes, I'm the policy director. So uh-huh. I go down to Springfield and I do more uh, work on the C4 side when I'm engaging in sure. Springfield because we're trying to get specific legislation passed that's going to help promote or 
continue to further our causes. So Excellent. So, so one big piece of legislation that we passed in 2021 was the Climate Equal Jobs Act. CJA. CJA, you know about it. All right. <laughs> and so as that rolls out now, we're doing a lot of engagement around trying to get people, the workforce development hubs up, um, understanding the grants and loans that are available to them, uh, how to increase their solar on their roofs and renewable energy. So we're doing a lot of work to make sure that CJA uh, is implemented properly. Outstanding. Well, folks, get your green team started or join your green team in your community. Uh, and we're going to have the pastor back on again soon so that we can, uh, in real time, start uh, helping folks form their green teams in their community because uh, this is an amazing project that you guys are engaged in. And this mission is uh, truly noteworthy. We should know more about it, folks. So again, go to faithinplace.org and learn more. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you, Patty. I appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you again. I look forward to coming back. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Thank you, Andy, for uh, for running the show. I I, I was like down behind the table. Like, Who do I have? Uh, Good night, everybody. Have a great evening.